0: This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Average to Savage podcast. Our special guest today is former NFL quarterback, Jason Campbell. Jason, how's it going?
1: Doing great, Paul. How you doing, man?
0: Good, good. Appreciate you coming on.
1: Nah, no problem. You know, can't complain. Uh, hey, we can you know these type of days we're living in right now, man. It's always just a, a great opportunity to be able to, you know, things we take for granted. You know, and hopefully people learning through this experience that, uh, you know, life is no guarantee, and things that we think come easy is a guarantee every day, and uh, and it's not. So uh, you know, we all need to reminisce and uh, and see what we can learn through this experience
0: yeah definitely yeah I think something positive is gonna come out of all this, just like just this stuff I mean, I'm sure you're saying it too, just like people just helping people in general. right, so yeah, hopefully stuff gets better soon, but yeah, let's get into your uh football career how How'd you get started playing football?
1: man, I tell you, I got started playing football. I grew up in a small town in Mississippi called Taylorsville, and I grew up with it my dad was a coach. And then I had an older brother, and, you know, everyone was playing football. Back in those days, Paul, we played in a yard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nowadays, you know, these kids, they already have teams at fifth grade and sixth grade. And, uh, of course, we had peewee teams, but my parents would let me play at that time. So I just started playing football until I was 13, but I played yard football ever since I was little. And those guys used to hit us. My older brother used to hit us outside. And one time it hit me so hard, I, I hit a tree, came home with a hurt arm. My dad was like, What's wrong with you? And uh, I said, Well, we were playing the call Killer Man. He like, Killer Man, what's that? I said, Everyone gets in a circle, you throw the football up in the air, and whoever catches the ball, everybody else got to try to tackle before we get to the end zone. And he said, Oh, you know, so I just grew up around the game, man, I grew up around sports and, uh, and everything. And in my area, my high school team was always used to winning championships. So, when you grow up where I grew up at, man, it's not a whole lot of opportunities to do other things but get involved in sports. And uh, that's how I really got involved.
0: Yeah. And, gr- and growing up, did you play any other sports?
1: Yeah, man, basketball is my favorite sport. I played basketball, baseball, and football. I gave up baseball about my ninth grade year, which was a tough decision. You know, I, I really like that too. But I tried to focus on two sports so I can uh, make sure I graduate on time. and. Make sure I was keeping my grades up, so I can get my, uh, so I can get into any university that I want to get into. And uh, so I just focused on basketball and football and and everything. And I was able to make all American in both. And I uh, got to college and I had to choose. So, you know, they tell you you can sign to play both once you sign that the letter of intent, but once you get there, they they surely made sure I had to make a decision. So I ended up sticking with football.
0: Yeah. Now, do you think playing multiple sports like helped you be better in football?
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, When I tell kids nowadays, you're too young to get just stuck in one sport. And uh, the one thing that can happen when kids are stuck in one sport is they can burn out very quickly and easily. The thing about playing multiple sports uh, growing up is that each sport teaches you something different. Each sport has a different concept. Where football teaches you a lot about toughness and and grind it out. Where basketball is about explosiveness and uh, quickness and... And everything, and then you think of, you know, just baseball, how you got to react to a ball coming at you at fast speed or whatever. But I always say the kids should get involved more than one sport. It just doesn't matter if you play basketball, you play baseball or football, you don't play anything else. If you run track, that's good for you because it just teaches your skill levels and it helps you with your development as well. And it gives you a break from another sport but you're not sitting at home doing anything. You're still scribing and performing in another, in another sport at that time, which is, which is helping improve your skills as well.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree with that I think kids should play multiple sports growing up and then eventually like focus on the one that they like the most or they're the best right. at. Yeah. What was your recruiting process like coming out of I'm at high school. Man. Uh,
1: I was, uh, one of the ones, man, that was, I was blessed. Man. I had, uh, by the time I was a junior in high school, I was one of the top five quarterbacks in the nation. So, you know, my brother had was six years old. He was, he's six years older than me. So he, he was playing at Mississippi State at the time. So, and I was going to a lot of SEC games. Uh, so I was getting opportunities to see that atmosphere and be around it. And I just remember telling my parents, like, hey, I know a lot of schools from Big Ten and, you know, and ACC and out west and everywhere. Recruiting me as well. I said, but I think I just want to play in the Southeastern Conference. And I said, it seems to me like it's the, it's the best conference in college football, the atmosphere standpoint and from a game standpoint, it's so competitive. And I said, just watch my brother play in that league. I said, I just, I think this is the league I want to stay in. So, you know, I ended up taking most of my visits to all my top, to the SEC schools, Auburn, LSU, Georgia. Yeah, uh, you know Tennessee, and I really narrowed it down to those four schools. And uh, because I didn't want to get bombarded with a whole bunch of other schools, there's coaches coming into school every day, and I was to get called into the office to go meet with them. So I ended up narrowing it down, and then right, I didn't want to make a decision before my senior year, so I kept just taking my visits. Uh, then once my senior year finished, I ended up committing early January, right before uh, signing date. It was in February.
0: So so, what was the ultimate decision that you picked Auburn?
1: Well, I liked Auburn, man, just because it was just this family atmosphere. I went to a couple of other schools. They all had great campuses too, but it was just something about Auburn that was just different. And I remember going to their game, they was playing Alabama's Iron Bowl, and that was my recruiting visit. And uh, I remember they lost that game at home. It was a close game. And the fans were just so respectful, like – you know, sometimes I go to some of these other schools, the fans just dogging their players out. Man. When they had lost the game and everything, I was like, dang. But then I went down with the Auburn, and they lost to the Orange rival, Alabama. And the fans were just kind of, you know, teary-eyed, but at the same time, just, like, respecting the players. And, and, uh, and you know, everyone has a gripe here and there. But to me, it just seemed like it was more unity and more of a family tradition, and, uh, and it just felt like home. Felt like home, away from home, and uh, so I felt comfortable with the coaching staff. Coach Tuberville was at Old Miss when they recruited me at first. Uh, then the year before I graduated high school, he went to Auburn, and uh, so I ended up going over to Auburn uh, with them because I wasn't going to Old Miss at the time, and uh, I wasn't going to Mississippi State because my brother played there. I kind of want to create my own identity, and then LSU was high on the list, but uh, at the time. You it was a transition between Jared Donardo and Coach Saban, and Coach Saban came to my house, and he's still trying to convince me to the stage. strong with LSU, but not knowing much about him at the time because he had come from Michigan State because he was way up north. You know, I didn't get a chance to learn him as much at that time. So, to me, Auburn just felt more comfortable and more like home.
0: Gotcha. What's your take on like their recruiting process now and like kids committing when they're in like eighth grade? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah man that's crazy man These uh parents i put it on the parents ball man the reason i say that is because coaches gonna come at your kids as long as they're allowed to come at your kids so when they come at your kids it's up to the parents to sit these kids down and say hey don't get so caught up into all this recruiting process you're only in the eighth and ninth grade so people are going to like you. People are going to expect that. But don't get so caught up into it That's all you're focusing on. Because I coached when I first retired from playing pro football. And uh, my first couple of years, I was dealing with sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders. And then I also coached at the high school level. And these kids get so caught up into the recruiting process that they not even focus on what the team is doing half the time. And to the point where you're trying to win a game on Friday night but they're so worried about trying to get theirs. And when I say that, it's just like they worry about how many catches they get, how many running yards they get, instead of worrying about like what's best for the team to win the game. So it's put a lot of pressure on these kids because every parent watches the NFL pretty much, Major League Baseball and basketball, and they see these contracts go by the bottom of the screen. They see all these millions of dollars being thrown out them. Yes, everybody wants their kid to have the opportunity to reach that type of success. I was like it takes a lot of stress off your family financially. But at the same time though, you could be stressing these kids out at such an early age by putting too much pressure on them that they never get to enjoy the sport and enjoy the game before it becomes a business. Cause you know once you get to that level, it's a business and and everything. So a lot of kids to be a kid and I love the game, and don't put that pressure on them to commit. If a coach make you commit and force you to commit between 8th grade and 10th grade, then shame on him. You know what I'm saying? Because you shouldn't be having to try to commit that early. Like, if it's for you, it's going to be there when it's time to be there. If it's not, then something else is for you. So I always tell the kid, don't put pressure on yourself. If someone comes on you, cool, all right, cool. Engage in conversation, but don't Put pressure on yourself to make yourself feel like you got to commit. Like you a totally different kid from eighth grade to twelfth grade. You'll be totally the opposite kid. You can have totally different interests. You don't know, so don't make these decisions so early. But I put that on the parents to help these kids out because they don't know that.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially. I mean, I love social media, but especially there's obviously negatives to it, and I think that hypes them up and gives them too much of a big head sometimes when they like blow up on social media, and then yeah, like you're like you said, they're not paying attention to like helping the team win the game.
1: Yeah, like, that's social media. That's all they care about when it comes yeah. to, like, they'll put it on there and say, hey, such and such is recruiting me. And he's just like, it, like you said, the kid, hey, it could be, cause you're an eighth grader. So now you feel like you're all that. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm mean, saying? Like, you're all that. Like, you're a big man on campus, an eighth grader. I'm just like, dude, you better chill out. I break <laughs> your ego. So, you know, that's how I used to try to do it when I was coaching. I was just like, you put them through some stuff. But, um. But, you know, like I said, they're only as strong as their parents, man, so they got to help them out.
0: Yeah, tell me, what like, what was the media like you coming out of high school? It was just, like, probably, like, newspaper articles and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, it was newspaper articles uh, at that time. You still had the ESPN uh, and everything, Top okay. 300. I remember ESPN came to my high school my senior year and did a story on me. And I remember the whole school was going crazy and everything and that was a fun experience. It also felt like the pressure you had that Friday night. You had to go out and, and try to light it up. We was playing against one of our biggest rivalries that night as well. So uh you know it was a fun experience. It was great. And uh like I said I, have, I still have some most of my uh, write ups and everything, different articles and everything. But uh it wasn't nothing like now, like mm-hmm. today where these kids is social media and everybody know who you are. You know, as soon as you walk in the building, I, I just coached high school kids and kids come up to me and say, Coach, that kid there is ranked this, that kid there is ranked that. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's just like, what, what are y'all talking about? they talk about, Coach, he's ranked, man, he's ranked. I'm like, dude, y'all in the eighth grade. He's ranked as and, uh, and I just be like, With these kids so hung up on rankings now that they're already defeated sometimes before they even touch the field because of rankings. And that's why I say that's the danger of ranking these kids so young and and everything. And they get so caught up into a five-star, four-star, three-star, two-star, you know, that if a kid feels like he's better than a four-star, better than a a two-star, and uh, somebody ranks him as a two-star, it almost depresses him. And you know what I'm saying? It takes their confidence away. Mm-hmm. Then some kids take the other approach. they like, okay, I got to work a little bit harder, a lot harder, because I know I'm better than this. So it's all about the how you approach it and everything, but not every kid is strong-minded like that and everything. And I always say not every five-star that go to college makes it through college. I know many five-stars that got to college in the last two years and gave up the sport. And kids that come in as a two-star or come in as a a walk-on, end up having a great career and making it to the next level. So I tell them, it's all about your heart, man, your dedication, man. Don't get so caught up in rankings and stars. I say, but when I was coming out, you know, like, they had us, you know, who's top five, this and top five, that, uh, who was top recruits, some big recruits, they call them blue-chip recruits and stuff like that. It wasn't that they put stars on you, they said blue-chips, I guess, which now they would be like a five-star. But, you know, it's just that, uh, I just do have for my dad, and my dad helped me through all of that. And, like, he always kept me level-headed and grounded and everything. But like I said, it's because of who was in my circle. And like I said, if no one's in these kids' circles, you know, especially like some of them that don't have those father figures around, I sometimes found myself like a father figure to some of these kids when I was coaching because mm-hmm. they didn't have that. So I felt like part of my purpose is being involved with these kids somehow, because not a lot of kids grow up with the same figures that that I grew up with.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and going into Auburn, um, I know you had a great career there. I also read that you had a different offensive coordinator every year. So, what, what, what was that like? And like, how did you manage to do that? Yeah, man. I had
1: a coordinator every year in the college. Uh, you know, sometimes it becomes frustrating because you always want to get to that next level. Uh, within an offense and you feel like every time you take a step forward, you have to take two steps back. And uh, But I always told myself, Jay, no excuses, man. Just grind it out. Every challenge is in front of you for a reason. So try to take what you learn from the offense from before and try to find similarities in the offense that you're learning at that point. And uh, in 10 years, I had like six different offense coordinators. (laughs) And when you hear guys make excuses all the time, I'm like, well, you know, this guy's been in this offense for 10 years, and now he had to relearn offense. I say it's funny how they take up for some, but then for others, they throw on in the bus. <laughs> we have to learn our offense every year. But my goodness, let me cry for the one that has to learn a different offense for the first time in 10 years. You know, I'm just like, uh, it's tough because at the same time, when you're a black quarterback, an African-American quarterback, there's already pressures on you because you already feel that magnitude of, I got to be, twice as good at whatever I do. And then on top of that, you're presented with a challenge to learn a new offense every year. So I used to always try to persevere, keep pushing forward, pushing forward, and uh, understanding that, Jay, yeah, you're not doing this just for yourself. You're doing this for your family. You're doing this for the kids back at home in the community that's looking up to you and seeing how far can you go because it gives them hope. So no matter what the challenge is, man, just learn it, accept it, and keep moving forward. So, you know, it was a fun screen at the time, but at the same time, uh I wouldn't let it get to me or, or make excuses or whatever. I just try to make the most of it and, and keep going.
0: Yeah, so I gotta talk about your senior year, you guys went undefeated and didn't get picked for the national championship. So what what was your feeling then and then what's your feeling now with the new system with uh fourteen or the, the playoffs? I thought it was crushing.
1: Uh you know, we played in the hardest, you know. Division, you know, in the SEC. Um, And at the same time, out of the three of us that year, USC, Oklahoma, and and Auburn, we had the toughest schedule of three and everything. And so, you know, rightfully so, we should have been in the national championship game. And the thing about it, we was loaded that year. And that we was hitting on all cylinders. And we was, it's just one of those years you feel like you couldn't be defeated. That's how close our team was. And we fought for each other. Uh, but the thing that I think the great thing that came out of it was, we was the reason and all the playoff talk started, and uh, because everyone was fight "How team in the SEC of this to get left out of a national championship game?" That just shouldn't ever happen. So that started the conversation of how can we make this right so that it doesn't ever happen again, and um, and everything. So it took them a few years to go through it, and then next thing you know, the playoff system started and so I would like to thank our team as it will be known as the team that was a team that sparked the uh, playoff talk because after we didn't get to play in the national championship game that year, the SEC went on to win seven national championships in a row and everything so, you know so hopefully that opened up doors where other teams wouldn't get left out because there's teams after us that wasn't even undefeated they got to play in the national championship game you know, even within the next five years and, uh, and everything, so I like to think that, you know, our team had a big part in changing history, so not all was lost, uh, we still got national championship rings or whatever, but it have been awesome playing the game, but at the same time, it doesn't take away from our season, we still had a great season, awesome season, and uh, and Rice was so deserving to be national champs, but uh, we opened the doors up for the 2010 team, and teams that came after that.
0: Yeah, what was it like playing in that offense, I know you had a lot of weapons for you.
1: Oh man, you talking about fun You know, you definitely got Cadillac and Ronnie You know, both played in the National Football League All three of us was, you know, first round draft picks And, uh, came in together in college And left out together And, uh, you know, just all those close And, you know, still friends and buddies nowadays and, and everything with Ronnie and with Cadillac Being back down there on campus as a running best coach And then Ronnie and myself Doing a lot of radio work for the Auburn Sports Network And the football department You know, it's just, uh you know, it means a lot, but uh, to play with those guys, man, it was outstanding. And then the receivers that we had, that you know, four of our receivers played in the NFL, uh, Courtney Taylor and being a and Devin Aronishvili and Anthony Mitts, you know, all four of those guys played at the next level, and and my offense lineman played to next level. So you know, it was just a, a great experience, man, and uh, a team that I won't ever forget. I always remember we'd be sitting sitting on the porch, still talking about it. Uh, just because, you know, that's how close we were. And I still call them out and, and joke on them and rag on them about something. But it is one of those teams, man, there was no selfishness, totally unselfish football team. Nobody complained about who was touching the ball or who was getting the ball. It was all about whatever the defense weakness was that week, that's what we were going to attack.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And what, what did it, off the field, what did it mean to you to graduate and get your degree?
1: Yeah, I mean a lot. Uh, I had already told my mom I wanted to graduate college, and to do it before my senior year of football was even better. Uh, Ronnie and myself, you know, graduated in August, and uh, one of my other buddies, done Me Young. Uh, so we all graduated in August before football season started in 04. So during my senior year, I was able to intern with the mayor and work at the Chamber of Commerce. So I got a chance to learn ins and outs about how things work in the city. How things, and they just don't pop up to the city, like what they got to go through in order to get restaurants up or in order to, you know, people come in town, how they stop by the chamber and ask, like, you know, what's the most popular things in town or how you get to this, how you get to that. So I learned a lot of what goes on within the city about working on the board and everything. And, uh, and so to graduate and not have that pressure of trying to finish school and everything while I'm trying to finish my senior year of football was uh, was awesome. So going to summer school over those years paid off.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's crazy. You didn't have to worry about school during football season. <laughs> right, yeah. So
1: it was almost like you playing in the league taking okay. a senior year before you was actually in the league. So, uh, you know, of course, you had to take like just a couple of classes, yeah. but it wasn't nothing like, because all my real class already done graduated. So it's more internship for me.
0: And what was your pre-draft process like?
1: Uh, pre-draft was cool. You know, I went to the senior bowl. Uh, you know, I had a great senior bowl week. I uh, ended up being an offensive player of the game for the South squad and, uh, and everything. And then, you know, from the senior bowls, preparing for the combine and uh, preparing for pro day. Pro day is probably one of the most funnest days because we had so many people at our pro day that it was circled around the football field. And uh and it was a joy because that's the most people have ever come watch a Auburn pro day. And then there was teens kids from other schools want to participate in our pro day. And I remember our strength coach was like, No, he was like, Y'all didn't earn all this attention for people to be caught out here. And He was like, you know, this is for the guys that bust their tail, sweated and did everything they had to do here to create this. So, you know, we're not trying to take away from them and everything. So it was guys that played at Auburn. If you played at Auburn and went somewhere else and Coach was cool with you, he would let you come and participate on on that pro day. And uh, so we ended up having a great pro day, man. A lot of people came out, saw a lot of coaches. My family was able to be there. So uh, it was fun times, man, fun memories. I always tell these guys, man, enjoy the moment, man, because this ain't going to always last. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, even when I was playing in the NFL, even the dog days, like, just enjoy the moment because when it's over, it's over. And then it's on to something else. But, you know, make the most of it. Like, don't try to take the easy way out. Don't try to get away from the Get around the grind. Like, it's a grind. and uh, But it will pay off for you. But at the same time, enjoy the process, man. Don't be in such a rush to go through the process. Don't be in such a rush to, I can't wait to get through this so I can get to that. Like, if I can tell any of man, enjoy it every opportunity of it. enjoy the training, enjoy the conversations, enjoy the getting to know people. Like don't be too big to to not get to know folks, you know, get to know people. Cause when you're done playing, not everyone gonna care that you wore a Jersey, but a lot of folks that you met will remember you because how you were, you met them. So don't be a butthole to people, you know, just because you feel like you can. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And then during draft day, was there like a few teams that you thought you were going to get drafted by, and like, did you know the Redskins were going to pick you?
1: Yeah, I had a feeling Redskins were going to pick me. They uh, have came down earlier that week and everything, and uh, and they coach had told me, and Coach Gibbs told me, said, "Hey, if you're still there, you know when, when our pick comes, you know we're definitely taking you, and uh, and everything." So that year they had two draft picks, and I knew they needed a corner. I knew they wanted a younger quarterback. But I knew corner was top priority because Mark Burnell was still there as the quarterback. He was getting older. So they went with Carlos with the first one, and then they went and got me with the second pick in the first round they had. So they had two picks in the first round and everything. So, you know, that was pretty cool, getting drafted with a teammate and both in the same round and everything. So, um, you know, that that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, what was it like to just hear your name? Getting drafted.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, it was... uh, so a unique experience. I was in Auburn. Um had a lot of family and friends in town. So I actually left and went upstairs when I know Redskins was about to pick me and nobody could find me and everything. I already knew it. I just wanted to, you know, hear their reaction. So when he so when they picked me, you know, of course I heard everybody go crazy downstairs and everything and and it was hollering. And everybody was like, Jay, where you at? Where you at? So then I came back downstairs, and then uh, my mom and dad was crying, and my offense coordinator was there, and everyone was crying and everything. And uh, so I was more excited and happy when I saw the smiles on their faces than uh, than just for myself, because the fact that I can make good on the promise that I promised my mom and dad I was gonna buy my home one day, a new home and everything that I was good I was able to make good on that
0: promise. Yeah, and I know they uh, had you like sit out the first season. So it was basically mm-hmm. like a red shirt year. So what what was that really right.
1: like? That was tough. That was tough for me. Uh, you know, coming off a of senior year that I had and, you know, watching my friends of that, you know, get rookie of the year and watch Ronnie uh playing that year and Carlos playing and you know, and I'm just like, dude, all my boys are playing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like you gotta sit over here and you know, and hold this clipboard. I just like, it's something that I wasn't used to, you know, it's something I haven't ever had to do. And, uh, like you said, besides being a red shirt. So, you know, I feel like, man, it's taken away from some of my game because when you're hot and you're feeling it, you mm-hmm. want to continue. Yeah. And so to have to be chill for a, a whole year. You know, it was tough, but at the same time, you know, I got to learn a lot. I got to learn the game. I got a chance to learn a lot about, you know, players and, the dynamics of preparing as an NFL quarterback and uh, and things like that. So, you know, I just uh, I learned a lot from Mark and Mark Bernal that year and, and everything. But at the same time, it was tough to have to sit and watch um, when you when you first, especially when you come out of college and you're high draft fit.
0: Yeah, and then what, what was it like to finally take the field in your first game?
1: Well, it was weird because. I went from running a practice squad team to all of a sudden they called me in the office nine games until the season of the second year. I mean, seven or seven, nine games to the season of second year saying, Hey, it's your time. And you're like, What? <laughs> like, I hadn't even been running our plays. <laughs> and they said, And you're going against Derek Brooks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Ronda Barber and all those guys at the defense that they had. So my first start in the NFL going to be in Tampa Bay against the Bucs defense. I said, are you kidding me? And uh, they had just went to the playoffs the year before. So they were stacked. And I was just like, okay. So <laughs> I was nervous because I had to run a press club. At the same time, I was excited. So I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's do it. So I went down there. My first pass was a 50-yard go ball. And I remember it was a perfect ball, and hit Brandon Lord right in the hands. And had he caught, it, he probably would scored. And he, he dropped it. He came to sideline, like, "Man, I'm so sorry, I dropped your first pass, man." And it would have been a 50 yard bomb and everything. And I looked at him like, "Dang, Brandon, <laughs> like, I really wanted that one, bro." But uh, but I ended up having a really good game. A game, two touchdowns, no turnovers, and uh, we lost a close one at the end. But uh it was a good game
0: though and what um, what was your overall experience with the Redskins
1: oh man I would say crazy <laughs> uh, crazy man uh, a lot of chaos you know I had a great time with teammates though and you know I, I love living in that D.C. area but as far as uh, on the field, stuff was just so much chaos, man. So many
0: coaches changes, so much stuff that people don't know about that would go on behind closed
1: doors and and that I had to play through where no one wants any player to have to go through what I went through and, and stuff that I had to see and hear and do. But, um, you know, it was another one of those moments where you grind it out. Like I said, I was grateful for being able to play in the league. But at the same time, I wish it could have been a better experience with it with, you know, someone more appreciative and everything and uh, of your hard work and your dedication and everything. and But at the same time, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade any of it for nothing. You know, uh, you go through it for a reason. But at the same time, you realize you don't get one shot at the NFL. And the fact that, you know, you still was able to have a good career through all the chaos where a lot of people would have folded or not even made it, you know, uh, you still able to stand tall at the end of it and, uh, and and walk away from the game of your own terms. I still had another year or two to play on my contract. Mm-hmm. Well, contract offers, but I walked away from the game after 10 years uh, just because I was tired of it and, and I was ready to do something else in life.
0: Yeah, well, So when you got traded to the Raiders, was that refreshing to you for a fresh start?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was hard at the same time because, you know, I feel like what Washington put me through and then for my numbers to keep going up, you know, I thought I deserved a new contract there and uh, a new, you know, new regime and a new, you know, a different culture. But as you realize, sometimes things just don't change. It's <laughs> just a revolving door. So when I went to Oakland, it was definitely a fresh start. I was, hope, I was glad I became a Raider because Raider fans, man, they are dynamic. And so I got that experience of living in California for a few years and, and, and get a chance to play for them and have training camp in Napa Valley. Like, dude, you have a training camp in Napa Valley. So you get a chance to go to wine tastings and all these different things uh, while you're there for those three weeks and, uh, and everything. So it gave me another enjoyment of life. So I enjoy Napa Valley, man. I enjoy being a Raider. And I was winning there. I was having a really good career, and fortunately, I broke my collarbone, and everything changed after that. And you know, it was my contract year, so you know, it kind of sucked a little bit. But at the same time, uh, you know, I don't let it take away from the experience. Like you know, you control what you can control, what you can't, you, you
0: move on. Yeah. Then you went to the Bears for a year, and then you went to the Browns. So you got to, you got to, you got to tell me about the Browns because like I feel like <laughs> they always get hyped up, and then. Or it just, yeah, the just Browns is
1: uh, it's a totally different organization. i say this, though. Browns <laughs> fans are some of the greatest fans, though, man. They are diehard. And I can see why chaos and stuff happens there, man. Like When I got there, they said I was going to compete for the start job Why I signed there. and I really didn't get a chance to compete for it and, and everything. But at the same time, you know, I was trying to help the younger guys out and everything. Then my time did come. They way to the hardest part of the schedule. And then they started me. And then I was having some really good game. And we lost to New England up by, what, 12 points with like two minutes to go in the game. And we lose. And just stuff like that would happen. Like, we in Kansas City and, you know, we're on the road and we were winning and got an opportunity to close the game out and something chaotic happened and we lose. And it's just games where we right there to win the games and just something crazy will always happen. But we would end up having a good year on film even though the record ain't short, and we just like, man, if everybody comes back next year, we're going to be a tough team. And that was the case. But at the end of the year, they broke everything up that year and got rid of people and everything. And, And I was just like, wow. I was like, this is the Browns. This is why this stuff keeps happening, because they don't let nothing build. They're always changing. If the first year don't go off and hit the playoffs, let's get rid of the whole regime and start over again. It doesn't work that way. And that's why losing teams continue to be losing teams and teams that win has a winning mindset because there's a formula. There's no formula just doing it the way that they do it.
0: Gotcha. And yeah, I know you had a you played for the Bengals for one year and then you decided to retire. I know you just touched on a little bit what made you retire and not wanna to go to another team.
1: Yeah, I had offers, man. Uh Baltimore Ravens came at me really hard, uh, to come back up Flacco. At the time, and then uh, you know Cincinnati is trying to get me to come back there. And I was just at a point, man. I think a lot of frustration just added up because mm-hmm. when I was in Oakland, when I got hurt, all my numbers—I was top ten in the league in a lot of categories—and I was having a great year. And it was my contract year, where any other quarterback has ever played the game, you don't lose your job to injury, and you don't lose your contract, especially when you're having a great season and mm-hmm. having a Pro Bowl type season. And for me to come back and then they take my contract and give it to another quarterback and then not get renewed. And then another team, I pick you up as a starter because all the jobs are taken. It's not where it is. Like nowadays where so many jobs for quarterbacks that's open for starting positions. I fell in the slot in that year where there wasn't a lot of open start job, but my job was the Raiders quarterback position. I had earned it. I had done all the things I was supposed to do to keep it. And, uh, and for them to get my contract up to somebody else, man, that took a lot out of me and it hurt me and it crushed me and everything. And I just think from that point on I was never able to really get a real starting opportunity and everything. And I think it just weighed on me and just, you know, it got me to a point where I just started not to like football no more because the business side just got too ugly. And it took the it took the heart out of it for me and I was just I was just ready to just walk away from the game and do something else because I felt like I poured my heart and hard work into it. And you see guys that doesn't work as hard and they just give them stuff, give them, give them contracts, give them money. And the guys that bust their tail and work and hard and put a lot into it, it almost like they treat you as, as if you're someone that they just against just because you're trying to do the right thing. And you almost feel punished in a way. So, you know, it, was, it felt unfair. But at the same time, uh, you know, I appreciate the years and opportunity, but... It was time to move on because what they were trying to offer me wasn't worth, I thought, the hits that I would be taking. Because <laughs> I felt like they had already taken a lot from me from what I did get to the game.
0: Now, after like maybe like a few years went by, did you have an itch to ever play again or no? Uh,
1: you know, you always had a competitive drive. Uh, you know, after a few years go by, you would be like, man, you know, maybe I could uh, go back out there and play. But then by that time, all the injuries started to really set in. You know, my yeah. knee got really bad. I end up having to have knee surgery. Uh, you know, there are days you wake up and you're just super sore and, uh, and everything, and you're just like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you. I'm okay.
0: What What advice would you give to a young athlete or a young football player?
1: Uh, I just tell a young athlete, man, uh, if you're in college, don't focus so much on the NFL aspect. Just focus on the now. You know, do hard work hard as you can while you're there in college to be the best college players you can be you know, to help your help your team and to succeed. And then when that time comes, man, hire your team succeed, you gonna succeed. So don't worry about all the other stuff. It's gonna come. If you're a guy that's in the pros, I tell every athlete, man, save your money. Like you don't need to spend as much money as you do when you're playing football. Because you're occupied, you're always training, you're always playing in games, you're always traveling here with the team. So you're preoccupied most of the time. You spend most of your money when you retire from football, because that's when you have your families. That's when, you know, you get, pulled. you get a chance to enjoy what you've made, you know, your fruits and everything. And But if you don't save your money, and you just out spending, spending, spending crazy, and then when you're done you have nothing to show for it, it can become disappointing because you have to think, man, like, Lord's willing, your life has a long opportunity in front of it more than it did behind you. So you have to prepare for that. So I always tell guys, man, find a way to save your money, man. Like, live off 20, 30% of your money and put the other 70% in the bank You know, every year that you have a salary so that that way you can enjoy your life even more so when you're done than having to struggle after you had an opportunity to be blessed with so much.
0: Yeah. And what, what else have you been doing, uh, post career? Well,
1: that's all I've been doing, man. Just coaching high school kids, uh, coaching youth kids and, um, doing the radio stuff. I do radio for Auburn. I also do my own podcast show, uh, on Believe, uh, podcast, B-L-E-A-V, uh, podcast, and you type in Auburn, and it's, uh, all things Auburn with Taylor, Taylor Davis. So I do that show, uh, with her and everything as my co-host. And, uh, so I've been doing that, man. Just having a good time and and, and enjoying life, and just uh, taking every day, everything one day at a time. Man, just uh, finding a way to give back to the younger generation and everything. Trying to pour into them, and then at the same time, you know, I have my own nephews and stuff that's in the game now, just in sports, and so I try to help my brother out with training them and working them out and getting them prepared and everything as well.
0: For sure. What do you think about uh all this QB mix up right now? Again, everyone getting a new quarterback. Uh,
1: yeah, everybody getting new quarterbacks, right It's almost like it's the new hottest toy. You know, everyone wants a new toy sometimes when things are chaotic, like what's going on right now. Uh, you know, everyone wants that that brand new car and that was something that'll feel the ego short term, but is it right for long term? So yes, you know, you see a lot of quarterbacks bouncing around. You see a lot of quarterbacks that you know, may not get an opportunity to be a starter again and, you know, they're still young and everything, but uh, that's the nature of the game, man. The quarterback position is the hardest position in all professional sports because a lot of everything is predicated on how things go around you. It's not so per se what you do all the time, but how things go on around you because a lot of times the quarterback position is the biggest escape goat in all the sports too. You know, it's an scapegoat that sometimes coaches use when they know that they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Sometimes an scapegoat for other players around you when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. It's easy to point the finger at the guy that gets all the attention when you win. And it's a quarterback, you have to be ready to accept a lot of, a lot of attention when you lose as well. So, you know, it's a tough position. And I say you got to be different as a person to play that position, especially in the National Football League.
0: Are you ready for some fun questions? They're gonna go from average to savage. <laughs> how oh, yeah.
1: uh,
0: What's your What's your favorite song right now?
1: Oh man, oh, favorite song. Gee, that's a, a, that's a good one, man. I'm a I don't even have one right now. That's how bad I ain't even been listening to radio that much, Paul. <laughs> <bro. laughs> I can't even think of one right now. All
0: right. Uh, what about what? What was your first big purchase?
1: First big purchase was uh bought my parents a house.
0: Did you, did you surprise them? Like, did they know? No, you-
1: I, wanted, I I wanted to surprise them, but I couldn't because I had to get off the training camp, so I had to have them to go around with the realtor lady and look at houses. Looking back at it, I kind of wish I would have just waited till the season was over with and then went back and got the house and then just took them for a ride and said, here are the keys to your house.
0: Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, cool. Like- that, that's so cool, obviously. Yeah. Um, who's your top five favorite quarterbacks?
1: Ooh, top five. I probably say I like Brady. Look how Brady—he's always been cool. Even he's a mega star. He always came over, spoke to me before games. Peyton Manning, you know, he's another guy. that's always a stand-up guy. Uh, Brett Favre, you know, he's from my era uh, down in, in Mississippi. Uh, Randall Cunningham, you know. I always like round the tall, lanky guy I could throw it everything. Warren Moon, you know, was another guy I used to like and uh, enjoy watching him play as well. And then you know, it's just tough for me because you know I was a big fan of Steve a big fan of Michael Vick and mm-hmm. and uh, Doug Williams. You know, guys that I looked up to because you know it was the same. It was all black quarterbacks, but those guys was really I like, setting the standard for guys like myself and. uh, and I got a chance to meet a lot of great black quarterbacks man that people don't even know a lot about like Shaq Harris you know what I'm saying played at Gramlin and played in the NFL you know Willie Totten who threw the ball to Jerry Rice in college you know at Mississippi Valley State where if it was nowadays he definitely would definitely been playing in the league so you know, it's not just per se those guys that nowadays, but, man, people forget about the guys that came before us. And if it wasn't for them, man, like, it wouldn't have been an opportunity for me, just like if it wasn't for the Vicks and myself and Vince Youngs of the world, it wouldn't have been an opportunity for the Cams and, you know, the Winstons and, you know, and guys like that. So we're all paying it forward.
0: Yeah, do you think um, the black quarterback is, like, on the rise? Or do you think, like, since you've – started like you think there's more now or no
1: I think it's becoming more now I think they're really starting to believe in us now where they don't change us man like when I was there I could run and throw but they would sometimes try to change me you know what I'm saying like make me like change my throwing motion and when you look at someone like Philip Rivers they never mess with his throwing motion but for whatever reason they would always try to change your throwing motion or try to you know, make you do this differently, and not want you to run as much. Where now, they emphasize on you running more. They emphasize like Vic was the only one that kind of made like do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where now, they let you do that more often, and, and they even put it in within the game plan. And now these offenses that they're running, it fits better because you have a dynamic athlete back there playing quarterback. Shoot, you put kind of pressure on defense. And then uh, and then like a guy like Lamar Jackson, whose throwing ability has gotten a lot better and he can beat you with the four, three speed, like it's hard for defenses to prepare for that. Now like, the only thing I would say for him is he just gotta learn how to protect himself. He's done a good job. You know, he knows how to dodge a lot of hits because he's so quick and everything, where you know, Deshaun takes a lot of hits, you know, that's the only thing that worries with Deshaun is he gets pounded a lot, man, and, uh, you know, they got to get some guys in front of him, but he also got to protect himself a little bit better when he's outside the pocket.
0: Do any of these, like, quarterbacks reach out to you ever?
1: Uh, You know, I talked to Jalen Hurts, you yeah. know, a, a little bit, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I communicate a little bit. And, you know, some of these guys, I see them in person sometimes. They speak and everything, but, you know, man, like, nowadays it's almost like when you're not playing, you're out the way. <laughs> and these young kids got so many people coming at them and and everything and you know and this almost like if you're not the mega star or whatever you don't really get the attention or whatever they don't understand like stuff that a lot of us went through there's a reason they're getting these opportunities mm-hmm. and uh and everything but you know like i say i support them all from afar you know like i say i always see them i speak to them but uh social media makes these kids, man, feel like they're so big nowadays that they don't need anyone else.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh what, what was your favorite stadium to play in?
1: Uh, favorite stadium to play in was uh I would say Kansas City. And i only reason I say that is because they do the tomahawk. It's just a live atmosphere, man. It feels like you're playing in the college atmosphere when you go there. And uh and and I think that what makes it unique.
0: And who who would you want to do a Jersey exchange with that you didn't do?
1: Uh I wish I did a Jersey exchange with I wish I'd done one with, with Mike Vick man. Just because uh, you know, Vick was that guy that played on Matt, you played with it on man when you was in college. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, and everything. I remember when I when I played against him in Washington and he was playing for the Falcons and I was starting for the Redskins. I was like, man, how come I did not get this dude jersey? And how come I didn't get, like, Donovan McNabb's jersey and, and other guys? But you know what? I'm going to find a way to see if I still can get their jerseys. Um, the jersey swap thing wasn't a huge thing back then. Yeah. And now. And now it's a huge thing, and I wish I would have done
0: that. Yeah, I think it, Yeah, I think it's cool that the uh, NFL, like, adopted that from soccer, basically. Uh-huh, yeah. And, yeah. and last one, what do you like to do in your free time?
1: uh free time man I like to go golfing I like golf and uh and just kind of spend time with my dad and parents, parents whatever but golf is a hobby I kind of developed I have to have these surgeries and I gotta wear a brace when I golf so and you know, it may help my golf swing because I'm not able to try to cure the ball so <laughs> <laughs> but uh that I would probably say it's my main hobby that and uh being a foodie I like eating different foods
0: okay what's your what's your favorite food
1: Man, I'm a seafood guy, but at the same time, I try everything. I know that people look at my Instagram, Campbell 17 They probably say, man, this dude loves desserts. I don't (laughs) eat desserts a whole lot, man, but when I do go somewhere and I see a good dessert on the menu, I'm going to try it. I'm not going to eat the whole thing, but I'm going to try it, though.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, can you let the listeners know where they could uh, follow you at?
1: Yeah, man. You follow me on Twitter at uh, Capital JCAM underscore one seven. And then on Instagram, you follow me at jcampbell17 on Instagram. And, uh, you know, like I said, I look forward to y'all following me and, uh, you know, post some comments if you want to and, uh, you know, and everything. But, you know, hey, we're all trying to go to the same place. So let's all move forward.
0: All right, again, I appreciate you coming on. I
1: right, appreciate it, Paul. No problem.